Hey, it's Damon. Just a quick note to say thanks for listening to Season 9 of the Who Am I Really podcast. It's time for a break from production to celebrate the holidays with friends and loved ones, and I've got a few things on my to-do list. I plan to do some writing, start recording for Season 10, shore up some loose ends with my real estate investments, and check in on my adoptive mother, Veronica, and my birth father, Bill. I share these things with you to remind you that we're all human. We're all going through something uniquely special to us in our lives. When you hear an adoptee's story on Who Am I Really, it's told only from that moment in time when they've chosen to share their story with me. That person's life goes on, and their feelings about adoption, their relationship with their adoptive or natural families, or other elements of their life may have changed. I hope you'll join adoptee support groups in person or online. Share your stories or support others in Facebook groups, on Instagram, or on other social media, and make sure to look out for yourself and what you need to stay healthy mentally and physically. We all have a chance to thrive in this life, and I hope you're able to maximize the opportunities that come before you. Anyway, just a quick note of thanks to all of you. Here's the show. I definitely think that our very first time meeting maybe set the bar. I think she has maybe a lot of shame or embarrassment surrounding the adoption. And I don't think she got the appropriate counseling or support or anything after the adoption. And then I think kind of just buried it and kind of tried to move on with life. And, you know, I think you see the effects of that with her to this day. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and today my guest is Michalina, who lives outside of Kansas City in Lawrence, Kansas. Michalina's early life was tumultuous after her parents divorced, her adoptive mother passed away suddenly, and she was abandoned by her adoptive family. Incredibly, her birth father walked right into her life, twice, and she didn't even recognize him. Unfortunately, she got an unexpectedly awkward introduction to her birth mother that may have set the stage of continued uneasiness between them when it comes to really getting to know one another. This is Michalina's journey. Michalina grew up in a small town in rural Kansas. Her adoptive parents divorced when she was five years old. Michalina's adoptive father was in and out of her life, but they didn't have a very good relationship, and he's not the greatest guy, to use her words. She was raised by her single mother, and they moved around a lot from town to town, so she moved from school to school. When I was about 10 was when I first remember my mom trying to explain that I was adopted. And I just remember like she did explain or attempt to explain to me that I was adopted. And I just remember just feeling kind of confused and upset. And I must have reacted in such a way that made her just, we, she completely just dropped the subject and we never really talked about it again. And then when I was 17, my mom passed away and 
events leading like from that was when I was told again that I was adopted and that's kind of what fueled my search shortly after that. Mm -hmm. Can you do me a favor and just go back to when you were 10? Do you recall, how did that conversation go? What, do you remember what was said and what was the setup for that? I don't remember a lot of the specifics. I just remember, and, and I don't like remember like leading up to that. I don't remember if there was something that was said to me, you know, from someone that maybe I asked a question that sparked the conversation. But I do remember like her saying, probably saying like the words that I was adopted or, you know, that biologically she was not my mom. And I just, from what I can recall, I was just really confused about it. And her and I were just extremely close. And I think maybe I might have had some emotions of, you know, not only confusion, but maybe some anger. And I, I can remember just crying and just being upset and her, you know, kind of just dropping it. And then we, neither her or I ever brought it up again after that. Do you remember feeling lingering anger, confusion, questions? Like, do you recall how you felt in the aftermath at all? Yes, I, I do remember feeling like confusion. I feel like at that time, it kind of solidified a lot of things that I felt with my adopted family because we were so different. I, I always kind of felt a little different from everyone in my family, aside from my mom. I always remember just feeling like I fit with her. She never made me feel like I was different in any sort of way or anything like that. But kind of when I like after finding out that I was adopted, yeah, I was still feeling confusion and probably some anger from that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 10 years old is old enough to really get it. Right. Yes. You know, yeah, you, you understand what's being said yeah. to you and you're not too far off from puberty, in which case, right. you know, hormones will be raging and and therefore emotions will be off balance. And that must have been a challenging time for you as a young person. Yeah, it was. It was. I remember it being a lot. And then, yeah, like you said, just like the lingering emotions from there you know, leading up to puberty. And I think I was probably a typical teenager. I kind of was a little bit rebellious. And I'm not so sure that, you know, that conversation that I had with her when I was 10 didn't have something to do with some of my rebellion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I could imagine if you <clears throat> went into puberty with new knowledge about mm -hmm. a disconnected relationship with your adoptive mother, and therefore the family, you know, kids don't think rationally. And as teenagers, you could just be like, well, screw it. What do you care what I do? You know what I mean? Like just right. you're ready to throw caution to the wind because you don't feel like you're like, why should they care about you? So I, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to put emotions and words in your mouth. I'm imagining no. what a teenager might feel hearing at 10 and living with that knowledge going into their teenage years. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That I had a lot of that. And I think already like distrust, maybe I had some of that, you know, feeling like, you know, how come I didn't know earlier or, you know, that sort of thing. So I think that kind of 
it sparked a lot of emotions that I think followed me throughout my teenage years. But you said something really interesting. If I heard you correctly, Michaelina, you said you and your adoptive mother were really close. Is that right? Yes. Yes. How, what, what brought you together? Why why were you so close? Do you think? Share interests. What was yeah, I, I think so, just shared interest, and I think maybe just from her raising me as a single mom, um, you know, she did her best to, you know, just give me anything that I, that she possibly could, and she was always just real supportive, very loving, I, you know, I felt like she always had my best intentions you know, just as um, any mom would, I never felt like she didn't love me or like her love was conditional or anything like that. And I was her only child. So, you know, growing up with just her, mostly, we did a lot of things together. We, you know, we spent a lot of time together and she was like my best friend. Wow. Yeah. And then you said that she passed away when you were 17. Yeah. That must have been rough. You've got this woman who you used to be very close to. It doesn't sound like you drifted totally, but you were very close. She told you you're Mm -hmm. not biologically related. It sounds like there was a dust up there. You never brought Mm -hmm. it up again. And then just a few short years later, she's gone. What what happened? How was that for you? That was rough. Um, It was, I was a senior in high school. I was 12 days into my senior year and she was at an auction with her boyfriend. And from what I can recall him saying was that she stepped out of the vehicle and had an intense headache and collapsed. And it was determined that she had a brain aneurysm. So it was a very sudden, unexpected situation. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's different when someone, you know, goes for a doctor's appointment and comes home and tells you that they're sick and you can start to think, all right, what does this illness mean for them, for our family, for us? Right. For a person, like, I presume you just got up and went to school that day. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day. It's unbelievable that she just dropped dead out of nowhere. That must have been so scary. It was very scary. It was, she had a couple of health scares in the months leading up to her death. She had experienced a heart attack about three months before and had had a quadruple bypass surgery in May. She passed away in September. Yeah. And so she was recovering from her bypass surgery. She kind of had like a a new outlook on life and was just really, I mean, maybe just finding herself again. And yeah. And then that happened and it was, it was very traumatic. It was a lot. And that was my first real experience ever losing someone. I think like starting out with like the you know, single most important person in your life. It was, it was a lot. Yeah, it had to be. I mean, going into your senior year, you're probably so hyper-focused on what your own future looks like. And you know that this person who has been there your whole life is going to anchor that. And now they're gone. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you said, you said your adoptive father was, 
in and out of your life, but now there's this moment <laughs> where your primary caregiver is gone. What happened mm -hmm. in the aftermath of, of her passing? A lot. Her family, so my adoptive family on her side, I, I mean, I was around them quite a bit growing up. But as I said before, there was, I kind of never really feel like or felt like I fit. And after my mom passed away, we were actually, her and I were living in her parents' home, like a rental home. So my mom was paying rent to her parents in the house that we lived in. So I can remember like vividly, like coming home and going to get like clothes and like some of my school books. and our locks were changed on our house. And um, this is my, I guess, a little preface to that. My mom in the hospital that she passed away in was about three hours from our, from where we lived. So by the time I got back home, the locks on the doors had already been changed and I couldn't get in to get clothes or school books or anything. And um, so I had called my grandma, which was her mom, and she just explained that, you know, they were just doing that for, I don't really even recall the reason, but that if I needed anything, I need to go through my grandparents to get into my home. So it turned out like my mom's siblings kind of went in and picked over what they wanted from my mom's items. I was told that some of the things would be put into storage that I would receive when I was of age or like when I moved out onto my own and yeah, it, there was that, but my adopted dad, he did not reach out. He, I, I don't know who told him about her passing, but he, he did not attend the funeral. He didn't, he didn't reach out. So yeah, I ended up moving in with my friend at the time and her family. Oh my gosh. You're telling me like within the same day or days after mm -hmm. your adoptive mother's passing, her siblings have been to the house, taken her stuff, and your adoptive grandparents have changed the locks. Yes. That yeah. is absolutely unreal. Yeah. <laughs> like that, these, yeah, that's the type of people I, yeah, that I was dealing with at the time that could kind of put things into perspective as to how how they are <laughs> right yeah, yeah that's a that's a stark indication of the character of the people that yeah. you're dealing with i mean to basically loot somebody's house immediately after their passing is mm -hmm. awful yeah but to also leave the child of your this woman out in the cold say you need to yeah. your stuff go through me is mm -hmm. also very callous yeah, it was. How were was. they, I think I know the answer to this, but how were they <laughs> in your grief? I mean, almost absent. It was kind of all about them. They they were not supportive at all. The home that my mom and I shared was about 10 minutes from um, the high school that I went to. It was in Oklahoma, but I went to school in Kansas and no one reached out to say, you know, like, hey, like, you're welcome here. You know, we'll make sure that you finish out your senior year, anything like that. So that was kind of where my um, 
my friend's mom and stepdad kind of were like, hey, we want you to make sure that you finish out your senior year, you know, and you're welcome here. And and that's kind of how that got, how that ended up going. Wow. That's unreal. I mean, you must have been thankful, but so hurt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very hurt. I didn't, you know, I mean, like I said, that was my first experience at death and grief. And yeah, I didn't know, you know, how to navigate any of my grief or, you know, where to like go and figure out things. I didn't, and not having your family who you think are supposed to love you and care about you when, you know, you, you're going through one of the worst moments in your life. They're doing what they did. So it was, it was a lot. So were you able to finish out your senior year and, and, and what happened next? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I lived with my friend and her mom and stepdad and stayed in school and focused on my studies and that sort of thing and ended up graduating. So that was, that was a godsend that they opened their home and allowed me to live there. And, you know, of course, didn't charge rent or anything like that. We're just, their main rule was you have to stay in school and finish high school. That's really, really awesome. Um, Yeah. So kudos to them, but also props to you because (laughs) that is a challenging situation for anybody to navigate, you know, as an adult, like if that happened to me as uh, you know, at this age, I would be like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) <laughs> so, but you're 17, you've yeah. got no resources, you've got, yeah. you know, nowhere to go, but check the box. These folks have stepped in and given you a home and, and given you yeah. the guidance to say, finish school. But I mean, yeah. to actually do it, like I could see things going dramatically off the rails and the fact that they didn't for you, that you forced your way forward is really awesome. Yeah. 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 I, there, I think probably were some opportunities that, you know, could have went worse than, Thankfully, they didn't. I I think if it weren't for my friend's family, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where I, what would have ended up happening or where I would be, you know, at that moment and maybe even to this day. So I owe a lot to her family. After moving in with her friend and graduating high school, Michalina moved out with a different friend and they got their own place. Michalina remembers needing her birth certificate for something, but not really knowing where it could possibly be in her mom's belongings. She tried to access the document at the hospital, but didn't have any luck. The situation is foggy for her, but she remembers hoping her aunt would be a resource for her, so she asked about how to get her birth certificate. The woman worked for a medical office in town, so when Michalina asked for more information, her aunt called Michalina into the office to chat. And that's when she was like, well, why don't you come up to the office? I need to tell you something. And I was like, okay. So I go up to the doctor's office. And that's when she mentioned again to me that, in fact, I was adopted. And um, that this, you know, maybe that's why I couldn't find my birth certificate was because of the adoption. And I remember her telling me to not go searching that they weren't good people and you know that was that as far as that conversation and of course you know I'm like okay well you're gonna tell me not to go looking so naturally I want to go look you know so (laughs) 
that's kind of when that sparked. And I don't quite remember like how long after my mom's death that that happened. It wasn't long, like maybe within a year. And coincidentally, at that in that time frame, my adopted father had reached out to me. So we were like communicating via email. And that's when I asked him, I'm like, well, hey, like, I just kind of had this bomb dropped on me again, you know, about my adoption, and no one's really telling me anything. Like, can you provide some insight on that? And that's when he told me that he had names. He told me he would tell me the names of the biological parents. He knew the names of my paternal grandparents. He knew their names. He was like, I'll, you know, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Okay. So he provided me like names. Um, I think he told me like my biological father's like year that he graduated high school. I think he knew that my biological father went on to have more children. So that's when I learned like, okay, wow, I may have, you know, siblings out there. So that's really what I think ignited me wanting to find my biological family. That's fascinating. It's a lot. It is a lot. It, and, yeah. and you're young still and have been yeah. in trauma. Like I don't, I, it's not lost on me that this is only a couple of years later. You were what, 20 years old? Yeah. When I, when I found my biological family in 2008, yeah, I was, I had just turned 20. Like it was two weeks after my 20th birthday was when I discovered them. Unreal. Unreal. Yeah. So how did you go about <laughs> like it, this, he knows who they are. So he knows. Yeah. Yes. So how did, yeah. tell me about the search. So this is where it gets really crazy. So I was working at an Amazon fulfillment center in my hometown in the summer of 2008, just working there for some extra money. And my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband, he was working there as well. And I, on like my first day, like I'm, we're in the break room and this older gentleman walks up and I say older, but at that time, probably like what I thought was like 40s. <laughs> right. This old guy. <laughs> yeah. Like this old guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like this ran, you know, random guy. Um, he walked up to me in the break room and was like, hey, do you still like the Green Bay Packers? And I'm like, oh, what the hell? Like, who, like, who are you? You know, like, how do you, like, how do you know that I like the Green Bay Packers? And um, he was like, well, I substitute taught you in high school. And I remember like that you liked the Packers. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, yeah, like I do, you know, whatever. And I don't remember if we had any more of a conversation at that point, but we had morning stand-up meetings every day that I worked. And uh, this guy was at those meetings and he was always very nice, like just extremely talkative, would like would talk about himself a lot. He'd, you know, tell me where he's from, you know, just various things about his life. And this is like I said, this is where it's really weird because at that same time frame is when I was getting the information from my adopted father. 
about like names and that sort of thing. And I remember, you know, my boyfriend at the time, he's like, man, what's up with this old guy like talking to you every day? And like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, he's, I don't know, just he's friendly. He's not like, he doesn't give me the creeps or anything. So when my adopted father told me the name of my biological father, I was at a friend's house on the computer reading the email from my adopted father and he told me the name and I was like wow I was like that's really weird I was like the guy that I work with that's his name but I was like but you know I don't think I was like I don't think that guy would be old enough to have a 20 year old like he's older of course but I don't feel like he's old enough to have a 20 year old and then like as the emails from my adopted father are coming in I'm reflecting back on my conversations with this guy at Amazon. And I'm like, okay. I was like, well, he did mention he's from this, you know, small town, which my adopted father confirmed that, you know, he was from uh, a small town called Cherryville, Kansas. And I was like, well, okay. I was like, Cherryville's not big, you know. He's like, he graduated, I think, like late 80s. And I was like, okay, well, I was born in 88. And he's like, he had other kids. And this guy had told me that he had kids. And long story short, it I was working alongside my biological father. <laughs> up. That yes. is crazy. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yep. But wait, he said he had substitute taught you. Yes. And I, he, he is a teacher and he just worked at Amazon in the summertime just for extra income. <laughs> so you've known so. this dude like you didn't know you don't really know right. your substitute teachers, but you have been introduced to this guy and he knows yeah. enough about you to ask about the Packers. And now you're working next to him at Amazon. That yeah, is crazy. Yeah, yeah. He he knew about me because my adopted father I, from my understanding, the adoption was supposed to be a closed one, you know, no information given. And my adopted father kind of went behind, I'm assuming behind my mom's back. I don't think my mom knew, but was like taking pictures of me and sending to my biological family, you know, told them my name, kind of told them like the areas that I lived in. And with a name like mine, you know, no one, no one has that name. So when he saw my name on the roster, the day that he was substitute teaching at my high school, he, he was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, Shut and up. he so didn't he know. Knew he knew. You were in his class when yes. he was subbing. You just didn't know who he was. What? Correct. Yeah. And he didn't know if I knew I was adopted. So he, he had to. I can't even imagine the composure that he had to try to maintain, but yeah, had to try to compose himself to know that his biological kid is about to walk through the door and he's going to spend, you know, however long teaching her. Oh my gosh. That must yeah. be so crazy. He was probably yeah. watching you so closely that you didn't <laughs> even know it. Yeah. Yeah. Michalina said her birth father, Sean, had quit the Amazon fulfillment plant when she put the pieces together, so she had to do some internet searching to get information about him. She found her biological grandparents' address online, and they only lived 20 minutes away. One summer day, she just decided she was going to drive over there and just scope out their house. 
Michalina ended up parking outside and psyching herself up to go knock. Sean wasn't home, but his brother answered the door. So my uncle, and you could tell by the look on his face that he knew who I was, but he was like, well, hold on. He was like, let me get my dad. And uh, we walked around the side of the house and my biological grandpa was in the backyard. He, my uncle got his attention and he walked up and he didn't say my name, but he was like, she's here looking for Sean. And I think my grandpa was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's Michalina. <laughs> What's so crazy about that is like, there's a reunion happening that is unspoken, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You're clearly there to meet Sean. Your you're right. Uncle clearly knows who you are. You can tell. But right. But saying, oh, my God, it's you or, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad to meet you. There's like this, yeah. little, this weirdness. Right. Of, of sort of acknowledging one another without acknowledging one another. That's really. Right. Hard. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'm sure in like. In front of your grandfather, that must have been so cool. Yeah, it was cool. He was very receptive, very nice. And he was like, well, let's be like, let's come in. You know, it's, it's hot outside. And he came in and he was like, I need to call your, you know, I need to call his wife. And. So I like I sat down in a chair in their living room and he called her and I don't think he told her over the phone like what's going on. He's like, you just need to get home. You know, someone's here. And she walked in the door and yeah, she knew as well. Like when she walked in and looked at me, I guess who I was. And yeah, <laughs> and they ended up calling Sean. They ended up calling him later that evening. I don't think they got a hold of him right off, but he ended up calling back a couple hours later. And that's when he was like, oh, wow, you know, like you figured it out, you know, and, and he, that's when he did confirm, like, well, I was telling you all that information at, at Amazon because he was like, I wanted you to have that, you know, if someday you were to go searching that you would have some, you know, some sort of information. Mm, mm, mm. That's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> really, really wild. Yeah. It was, it's like a, like a lifetime movie or something mm -hmm. is what it felt like. <laughs> so, so you've met the extended family. Tell me about the moment that you actually got to meet Sean. He drove over. He lived in a town also about 15 minutes um, from the town that his parents lived in. So he drove over that evening and we, we went for a walk and he just kind of, I think he, you know, tried to give me the best version of everything from his point of view and, you know, told me about my siblings. And it turned out, you know, I went from being an only child growing up to I learned that I was the oldest of five. Hmm. So, yeah, he's telling me about that, telling me about, you know, his life and, you know, what transpired between he and my biological mom and kind of, you know, everything since then. What did he share about the relationship from his point of view? Did he share why you were relinquished into adoption? He said that they were young, that they didn't feel like they could, you know, provide or raise a child. And they felt like that was their best decision. I think they were seniors in high school getting ready to go off to college. And they knew that they weren't going to be together and 
that they just felt like this was the best decision for me. How did it feel to hear that? Um, it's, it was tough. It, you know, I, it was, it was a lot. I, you know, at the time I feel like I was just taking it all in and trying to be understanding. Yeah. I don't know. It was a lot. It was a lot to hear why. And, you know, knowing that they were a little bit older, you know, was kind of, that was kind of hard to hear, you know, that they were, you know, of age, they were 18 at the time. So yeah, it was, that was kind of tough. Yeah, it's it's of age, but it's still young. It's still young. You're, yeah, you don't know that much. You know what I mean? Right. It's, and all the decisions are not your own either. So you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot that could have been done back then. Yeah, yeah, and I I think there are. You know, I can kind of assume there were. So yeah. I think there were various reasons that maybe haven't always or haven't you know been said but you can kind of pick up on some of that sure yeah there's yeah. let's let's be real like an 18 year old is it's a very rare 18 year old that is completely in charge of their life right and is in the this in the position of making you know long-term decisions <laughs> decisions yeah so yeah Yeah, I think so too. So the same day that I showed up at my grandparents' house, they, when my grandma got there, she went into the kitchen. I was still in the living room and had went into the kitchen and I could hear her like on the phone. I wasn't sure who she uh, was calling, but she brought in the phone and like handed it over and was like, here's your mom. And that was something that I, that day, you know, I was not intending on facing at that time. You know, I, I was excited to meet Sean and was kind of just looking forward to that. Wasn't really planning on dealing with that yet. And, but <laughs> it kind of got put, you know, put on me that was pretty forced, quickly. That so. was forced on you the same day. The same day. Yes. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> So, um, and I, I, I mean, her reaction was the same, you know, she, I don't think was intending on having someone call her and say, Hey, here's your daughter, talk to her. So it was from what I can remember, kind of like an awkward conversation. I don't think it lasted very long from what I can remember. And yeah, yeah, that was, it was, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What yeah. a huge day. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a big one. <laughs> so, what happened in the aftermath? Then you've had this awkward conversation with this woman. You got mm -hmm. it sounds like I don't want to. I'm not sure if this is the right word, but it sounds kind of unfair that you were sort of forced together. It wasn't yeah. a choice. You did right. It doesn't sound like you said, you know, hey Sean, would you mind connecting me with her or anything like that. It was just kind of hurled over the fence at you, and you had to right it when it came at you. Right. And I, you know, I think it was unfair to both of us, you know, I, it didn't feel, I feel like it could have been handled differently and, you know, maybe perhaps a different outcome at that time. After that brief, unexpected, awkward phone conversation, Michalina and her birth mother began texting one another. 
her birth mom lived in the same town Sean did, about 20 minutes from Michalina's home. The women agreed to meet at a park in Michalina's community for their reunion. Michalina made the decision to meet her birth mother by herself, despite her then-boyfriend offering to accompany her for support. But she showed up with her husband and her son. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah. And how was that? She didn't tell you they were coming. I don't think so. I don't remember her telling me that they were coming. I do remember feeling shocked that she was not alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so again, your reunion sort of isn't, it's not unfolding in a way that feels quite appropriate, right? She's including right. other folks in this intimate moment that is really about the two of you. Right. Right. At a time. Yeah. I mean, our very first encounter and, it, yeah, it didn't, it didn't happen the way that I maybe thought that it should have or wanted to. He, her husband, very, very nice guy. He was very respectful. But we, you know, it was more of just like a casual, like friendship meetup almost. It didn't, we didn't talk about anything adoption related or anything like that. So it was, it was, it was a little awkward, I guess you could say. Was that because a little different. you were right there? You know? I I'm not sure. I mean, I think I think that played a part in it, but even years later, it's like her we're in contact to this day, but we we've never still fully talked about the adoption. What's your sense so. of that? Like now that you've been in contact for a while, is your sense mm -hmm. that she's not the kind of person who opens up about stuff like this? Or is your sense that your uncomfortable, awkward start set the stage for the rest of it to be uncomfortable and awkward and therefore sort of an unbroachable discussion? Yeah, I think a little of both. I don't know. Like, I still like to this day, I feel like I don't quite know exactly who she is she seems to be a fairly private person but then she shares you know like we have each other on social media and um she shares things that that are pretty intimate and you know that kind of go against the whole like i'm a private person i don't want people knowing a lot about me sort of thing so I, I definitely think that our very first time meeting maybe set the bar. I think she has maybe a lot of shame or embarrassment surrounding the adoption. And I don't think she got the appropriate counseling or support or anything after the adoption. And then I think kind of just buried it and kind of tried to move on with life. And, you know, I think you see the effects of that with her to this day yeah. between her and I. Yeah. The, yeah. the burying thing is something we just talked about on this Facebook live that preceded our mm -hmm. discussion right now. The idea that one of the birth mothers talked about the fact that she had kind of buried her own adoption and then buried the adoption, the, the child she placed for adoption. So she never really yeah. dealt with that stuff until yeah. they all came back. Yeah. And, and that makes it hard because you've got compounding problems. There's the challenge of right. the person standing there before you, as it were, quote, unquote, right? They're now here. And 
you haven't addressed the stuff leading up to them being here either. Until right. Now you got to cope with both at the same time. That's a lot to mm -hmm. deal with. Yeah. And to just kind of, you know, pretend that, that, you know, this whole entire thing regarding, you know, being the fact that I was relinquished, you know, like it happened. I feel like that's, you know, like we need to talk about that to be able to develop any sort of real connection and relationship. So it's, it's definitely a challenge trying to navigate her and I's relationship because of some of that. Do you think you'll ask her like, Hey, do you, do you think we could actually talk about what happened? Yeah, I've, I've asked a couple of times. She just says that she's, a private person and that it's just it's hard for her and that she doesn't really want to kind of go back and relive those those moments and i've tried to be very you know respectful and understanding to that because i you know try to put myself in her situation and understand how hard it really must be for her but also trying to you know, for myself as well, give myself what I, I feel like I need and, um, you know, try to find answers about my life and, you know, being able to, I think, have a good relationship. I feel like is, it's important for her and I to have those conversations so we can, you know, maintain, you know, some sort of, I don't know. Just, you know, having, if we're going to have a relationship, I feel like we need to have the trust and the communication there. Yeah, I agree. And I wonder, mm -hmm. have you thought about, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking of offering you things to say if you haven't said them already. And one of them is along the lines of, I know this is hard for you, but you have to also <laughs> sort of recognize I wasn't there. And I kind of need this for me. Yeah. And maybe let her know, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge you and I'm mm -hmm. not going to drag this out, but I really would like to know because this is a big missing piece of how my life unfolded over here in this adopted family. So, you know, maybe just help her understand that you don't intend to crucify her and you don't intend to drag it out, but it right. would be really helpful to have just an open conversation that mm -hmm. allows you guys to sort of get past this too, because otherwise it's, it's just lingering there. She right. Knows you yeah. want to know, you know, you want to know, but you're not mm -hmm. moving forward past it. And it's really tough. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, you know, like it's, it's been 13 years and, you know, we're still where we're at. So I'm like, we're, we're kind of in limbo and we're, I guess, you know, we're both responsible for where we are. And I think if one of us needs to maybe make the move to try to get, you know, past this idling situation that we've been in for all these years. Michalina is the oldest of Sean's four children, including herself, and the oldest of two children. Michalina shared that her younger brother, son, is also an adoptee. When she told me that, I realized it added a whole new layer to inability to discuss placing Michalina for adoption because she had adopted her son years later. 
yeah. So she's kind of on both ends, you know, being a biological mom and and an and an adoptive mom. It does. It adds a whole nother layer to our relationship and all of it in general. Mm-hmm. How then, mm-hmm. you know, I often ask people how they get along with their, you know, biological siblings, half or whole, but I'm interested to know about you <laughs> and this other adoptee of your biological mother. Did she allow you guys to connect? Are you in touch? Do you chat at all? So he's 15. So quite a bit younger than me, but I think it's been about two years since she actually told him who I was. So any of her and I's meetups prior to that, when he's been around, I'm not a hundred percent certain, you know, like if she just said like, oh, hey, we're, you know, going to meet up with a friend of mine or whoever, but he didn't know my identity until about two years ago. So him and I have never, we've never talked about it. I, I kind of get the impression that it would make her uncomfortable if him and I were to ever have, you know, that conversation. So I'm trying to be respectful to the fact that he's also, you know, he's 15 and I don't want to go there with a lot of like really heavy adult conversations with him either. So that's, that's also where I'm trying to, you know, learn how to navigate being a, being a sibling. And I, you know, I didn't have that. So I'm like, I don't know how to be like a, an older, an older sibling. So yeah. Yeah. That's a yeah. Really good point. You don't have this older sibling experience, yeah. but I also am thinking that there's an, an added complexity now to yeah. dealing with that household on her side, because she is a birth mother. She's an adoptive mm-hmm. mother. Mm-hmm. Her adoptive son is younger than you, so he's, you know, possibly not ready to even think about this stuff. And so there's the, right. I want to know everything that I can from her, and mm-hmm. I would like to connect with him, support him, whatever it is, but they're two mm-hmm. completely different approaches to adoption in the same house, right? It's, yes. That's really yep. fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And from, you know, what I do know without, you know, completely putting, sharing personal things with them, he, he does know about his adoption and has always known and have, from my understanding, has like an open adoption. So, yeah, maybe, you know, as he gets older and, you know, wants to open up or maybe ask questions, you know, that would be something I would definitely be interested in with him mm-hmm. to talk to and to share things with. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So did you, <laughs> you know, one of the things that happens a lot with adoptees is we look for stuff that mm-hmm. are, we are alike with mm-hmm. do you look like your mom. Do you look like your, your birth? Do you look like your birth mom? Do you look like your birth dad? Do you have commonalities between you like shared interests mannerisms Mm -hmm. what's the nature versus nurture for you so i look a ton like my biological father like a ton so that that was really crazy (laughs) i didn't see that like prior to like you know when he was just a a guy working at amazon i never put that together like kind of look like this guy but um yeah, we look a lot alike. They're both teachers, which I thought was kind of fascinating to know. Her and I were built kind of the same. We're, we're kind of the same build. 
and I, I feel like her and I do look quite a bit alike. She, she has shared that she doesn't think we look anything alike. So that, that's kind of interesting, but my dad's genes definitely are, are pretty strong. My half siblings, we have a lot of the same features and, uh, yeah. And I think Sean and I, we have like commonalities as far as sports. He's real big in the sports. So we have that in common. Personality wise, I would say I'm probably more like him. I, I still don't have like a really good feel for how she really is, but I, I definitely think there are some similarities there as well. That's really fascinating. Wow. Oh my gosh, Michalini, you knew this guy as a substitute teacher and then you worked next to him for months. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I can't help thinking that there's often this theme among adoptees where we talk about sort of looking for mirrors and looking for people that we look like in the crowd, right? I would go on vacation and be looking for people there. Or I would be in my hometown, like you hear adoptees say, I would go to mm -hmm. the, the town where I knew I was adopted and I would be looking for people that looked like me. But here this guy walked right into your life. Mm -hmm. You feel like you look like him now that you know. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't, you couldn't see it before. And it's just a fascinating no. phenomenon of sort of really wanting to find it out there on your own by virtue of just looking at someone and feeling like you look like them. But then, you know, not even seeing it when it walks right up to you and asks, do you still like the Packers, you know? Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's wild. I knew like growing up, like I, I didn't look like any of my adopted family, but you know, and then later on discovering, you know, like I I was indeed adopted, it it that made sense. But then yeah, once I discovered my adopted family and saw like, wow, I, that kind of all makes sense. I didn't look like anyone, but I look like all of these people now. So yeah, that's really fascinating. Yeah. So yeah. how are you doing now? You have, you know, experienced the loss at a young age. You have mm -hmm. found these folks, some of whom you look like and, and mm -hmm. sort of had this awkward introduction to your birth mom, who most people look for first, but your biological mm -hmm. father found you first. Like you've had a lot happen. How are you doing yeah. now? Good. I, I joined a couple of adoptee support groups probably a couple of years ago. So that's been a big help for me to just know that some of my, you know, feelings that I'm not alone and um, just everything that comes along with being an adoptee, um, that's been a big help for me because I think there was things that even before when I realized or before I even knew that I was adopted that I felt that I didn't really quite understand why I was feeling that way you know, kind of having that support and knowing that this could be tied to being adopted. That's been a really good thing for me to have as far as support and feeling that. And I, I'm, I'm married now. I have two children of my own who are simply amazing. So it's been a joy being able to experience being a mother and having, you know, a family of my own. I'm still in touch with both of my biological parents and all of my siblings. So it's just still riding this roller coaster of a journey and trying to just take it as it comes and make the best of it. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. Wow, Michalina, thanks so much for sharing this incredible story. I just, <laughs> you know, I'm always marveling at people who end up being friends with, working with, knowing somehow <laughs> a biological relative and brought yet another <laughs> one of those amazing stories. And I'm so glad that, you know, you and Sean are getting along. I'm hopeful mm -hmm. that you and can find a way to sort of have a more open discussion and at least build some trust that it sounds like you're really missing. So I wish you the best of luck yeah. with that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Take care. All right. All the best. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Damon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, it's me. So many adoptees have said throughout their lives they've looked for relatives in what they hoped were familiar faces in the crowd. But Michalina's birth father walked right into her high school classroom and she worked beside him at Amazon, but she'd never put their biological relation together. Admittedly, she wasn't looking for him, but how crazy is it that she had two encounters with him before they were reunited? It was kind of a shame that her paternal grandmother just dialed up her birth mother and put the women on the phone together. I think there's something healthy about anticipating reunion and having an opportunity to try to process it a little bit. So having theirs rammed in the middle of Michalina's reunion with Sean wasn't the best start. You heard her say it sounded like hasn't processed placing her for adoption and it's playing out in their relationship couple that with the fact that her birth mother adopted her son a few years later and they have a lot to navigate as a family in reunion. I'm Damon Davis and I hope you found something in Michalina's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit who am I really podcast.com slash share. You can follow the show at facebook.com slash WAI really. If the show is meaningful to you, you can support me with a contribution to keep it going on patreon.com slash WAI really. Please subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a five star rating there. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too. And you can check out the story of my adoption journey, Who Am I Really? An Adoptee Memoir on Amazon.com. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.